Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning and welcome back to the final week of People Problems. All right, and let me just say this, just because this is the final week doesn't mean that the people problems go away. All right, so they might be with you the rest of the year. But let me just uh, remind everyone in week number one, I talked about the laws of relationship. And when you violate one of those laws, there's, there's a, um, a consequence. And so that was week number one. Last week, I showed you that there are six different types of relationships because the Bible tells us that, um, you know, there's three different types of, of people. And then um, when you combine those, whether it's a wise with a wise or a wise with a foolish or evil with the foolish, each one has its own a way that it plays out. And then now this week, I want to share with you called boundaries in relationships. And so um, that is on deck for today. And so I'm just going to jump right in and I'm going to start sharing with you a few boundaries that the wise people erect. Now, I don't know if, if, you, if you've ever owned property, but, but one of the things that happens when you own a piece of property is you want to know what's yours and you want to know what's your neighbor's. And I was reading this week on Reddit, there was a story about um, a family purchased um, a house in a, a very tight subdivision and um, they didn't like the fact that the, the neighbor could look in and see into their kitchen window. So they spent thousands of dollars and had a landscaper come and put up bushes that, that blocked that view. Well, a few days later, they came out in the morning and all of them had been cut down. Well, you could imagine the, the father on that side went over just screaming at the neighbor. And the neighbor said, no, those were on my property. And I had every right to do that. Well, they called the landscaper up. They got another load moved over to where they thought it was their property. And two days later at 2 a.m., they heard a chainsaw going. And the guy was out there cutting down their bushes one more time. So they called the police. And um, you can imagine at 3 o'clock in the morning what this uh, is like. And so finally... The two owners said, you know what? We're going to pay to get our, our property lines identified. And a few days later, they saw these orange stakes out on each of the corners with orange flags. And uh, what they noticed was that their neighbor that had cut down the bushes twice, his fence was 11 feet onto their property. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we think that we know where the boundary is, and we don't. We think that we know where we've established our own personal boundaries. And when it comes to boundaries, here's the reality. Um, it defines who you are. Your boundaries define who you are. It defines what you'll do. It defines what kind of behavior you'll accept. It defines who you will associate yourself with. And at the end of the day, your boundary lines say this. This is who I am. This is what I stand for. 
And if you're not wise and you don't have these boundaries, you don't know where you end and your different relationships begin. You won't realize when you're treading on somebody else's property or when they're living on yours. And so I'm just going to share a couple of different boundaries that I think that the wise person puts into place. And the first one is this. It's called the boundary of reaping. The boundary of reaping says this. Our actions have consequences, and someone's going to bear them. Our actions have consequences, and someone's going to bear them. And if the wise person doesn't set up property lines, doesn't make it clear, what will happen is the foolish person, the evil person will set up shop. They'll build a shed. They'll plant trees in your property. And they'll expect you to take care of it. Galatians tells it this way in 6, 7, and 8. And it says that, uh, be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever you sow, that will you also reap. And when we are foolish in relationship with other people, we start taking on other people's consequences. We start reaping what other people have sown. And we get frustrated. We get mad. But the principle tells us that for everything that you sow, there will be a reaping day. And when the wise person or even the foolish person goes in and bails out somebody else for reaping the whirlwind, and takes that upon themselves, sooner or later, they run out of bandwidth. You know, there was that law, you have a limited a number of resources. And you run out of those resources, but the foolish person, the evil person, doesn't stop sowing. Why? Because they don't pay the price. They've never had to pay for those consequences. They don't know what it's like. I mean, they don't care if, if you co-sign for them. They don't care that it's your credit that got hit. They don't care if they lost the vehicle. They don't care if their electric gets shut off. Why? Because somebody's going to get it back on. And if we're not careful as wise people, we don't build that the property line of reaping and allow others to reap what they have sown, we're going to run out of resources. You know, Galatians 6, 7, 8 continues to say this, for the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. And I don't know if you remember the table of the wise, the foolish, and the evil, but the foolish person is controlled by the flesh. They're controlled by their desires. They're narcissistic. The me monster lives freely in them. And so what happens is they sow to the flesh and reap corruption. And what happens to us when we take upon ourselves their sowing, we end up reaping the same thing. The wise person is controlled by the spirit, the foolish person by the flesh, and the evil person by a demonic spirit. You know, it's interesting this past two weeks, how many of you have reached out and started letting me know that, hey, I didn't think that there was that much evil around me. I didn't think that there could be evil in my family. I didn't think that evil could get this close. But now that I'm looking, now that I'm using the lens of God's word, I'm seeing it. And the only way that we can overcome that is to follow the scripture and what it says. What do wise people do? Wise people create distance. And in this case, they create a boundary so that they're not reaping 
what other people are sowing. Well, the next boundary that a wise person uh, institutes into their relationships is called the boundary of responsibility. The boundary of responsibility says this, we are responsible to each other, but not for each other. We're responsible. See, you know, you've heard me say this. What are the two things we want to do as a church? We want to love God and love people. And sometimes we get that love people thing distorted. And we think, well, you know, I'm going to, I got to love them. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take their foolishness on myself. And we enable that. All right, last week I talked about there's a difference between a problem and a pattern. A problem is, you know, you can help somebody through a problem. But when you start helping them through a pattern, you become part of the problem. Because they, you, you are part of their solution. The wise person knows the boundary of responsibility. And they know how to um, be responsible to somebody and yet not for somebody. Responsible to one another and not try to be one another. Because that's what happens. You take upon them, their persona becomes you. Parents, we do this. We, we try to have our children live out what we wanted to accomplish when we were children, when we were teenagers, when we were young adults. And what we don't realize is we don't factor in the human phenomena, and if they're not like us. Look no further than two children from the same mom and dad, same DNA, and yet two totally different personalities two totally different ways that they handle problems, the way that they process situations. And so the wise person knows the boundary of responsibility. And if you've got your Bibles, if you'll turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I'm just going to read a couple verses here. Galatians 6 and verse 1 says it this way. If anyone is caught in any transgression. You which are spiritual, who is he talking about? The evil, the foolish, or the wise? The wise, because the wise are controlled by the spirit. You which are spiritual, you which are wise, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch for yourself, lest you too be tempted. When you're wise, you're going to come across people who have fallen. You're going to come across people who have made destructive decisions. And it's our admonition from God is to restore them. You know, one of the things we talk about in our church here, we are a church full of broken people. We are a church full of a bunch of mistakes. But you know what? On Calvary, grace poured out. And it covered every one of us if we will accept the gift that Jesus Christ gives. You know, it doesn't undo the fact that we take, make destructive decisions. We still got to pay for those consequences. But we which are spiritual, we that are wise, it's incumbent upon us to help those and restore them in a spirit of meekness. Not just beat them up. You know, in the military, uh, when we went into basic training, anyone here went to basic training? All right, you guys know what I'm talking about. They tear you down first, and they make you feel like you are so stupid. You are so dumb. You don't even know how to tie your shoelaces. 
And you're like, I'm 18 years old. You don't know how to make your bed. Okay, you got, got a point there. <laughs> you don't know how to fold your clothes. And they make you feel this small. And then for the next eight weeks, they start building you up. And you know what happens at the end of basic training? Your family's allowed to come in and look at your dorm. And they're allowed to see that bed that you know how to make now, that you'll never make again, trust me. <laughs> look, take pictures, because they ain't going to look like that again. Hospital corner, uh-uh. Iron in your underwear, nope, ain't doing that anymore. You see those drill instructors, while they might not have followed Galatians 6.1 and done it in a spirit of gentleness, they built you back up. And when you walked out, you walked out a warrior. Not only could you make your bed, not only could you fold your underwear, but you could charge a hill that had a machine gun firing. See, that's what happens in Galatians 6.1. When we restore somebody who has been broken by the enemy, has been broken by the decisions that they made, when we come alongside them and we pick them up and we got someone on each side, and we give them strength, and we help them build themselves up, we create warriors that can take on the enemy. That's what it means in Galatians 6.1. Another boundary that we have to watch for is, is here in Galatians 6 still, and it's the boundary of power. The boundary of power says this, is that we have power over some things, but not everything. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on. We have power over some things, but we don't have power over everything. When you start believing that because you're an adult, you've got power over everything, you are going to get what we call a rude awakening. When you start believing that you've got it all under control, that's when God will take over and take all that control and allow you to be imprisoned by the enemy. See, we don't have power over everything. And, and here's the two biggest mistakes that I see Christians make. Number one is we make the mistake that we're the Holy Spirit. We try to convict people with our words. And, and folks, we do this well-meaning. And, and here's how it usually sounds when you're trying to be the Holy Spirit. You ask them, do you realize what you're doing is wrong? And inevitably, everybody that you, I've ever said that to, you know what they tell me? Nope. Matter of fact, they get their chest down. And they tell me, no. Every time I try to be the Holy Spirit, I fail. I, I can't live up to that job resume. And you can't live up to that job resume. And one of the biggest steps I took as a Christian was when I realized it wasn't my responsibility to be the Holy Spirit. It wasn't my responsibility to get them to acknowledge to me that what they're doing is wrong. Holy Spirit was doing just fine. Holy Spirit was living all over them. And then when I come in there and I start pointing my finger into their chest, instead of feeling the Holy Spirit, they see this obnoxious Christian. The second thing we do wrong is that we try to be the heavenly judge. Now, um, 
When we try to be the heavenly judge, we make another big mistake. So think about it this way. When it comes to the boundary of power, uh, here's two verses um, as I continue to read. Um, In verses two and three, it says, bear one another's burdens, this is Galatians 6, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Remember, I started this whole series off with a verse in James that says, the person who looks in the mirror and then goes their way and forgets who they are, this is what happens. We're repeating that problem here in Galatians 6. He's nothing. He deceives himself, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now, it's interesting how the Bible can say something contradictory and yet have no contradiction. Because in verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens. That is a principle. And that's where we come along and we help them. But at the end of the day, they're not gonna st- your kids are not going to stand before you, mom and dad, on the day of judgment. Adult children, your parents aren't going to stand before you on the day of judgment. No matter what relationship you're in, the only person you're going to stand before is Jesus Christ. And you better hope that you accepted what he did on Calvary because when you're before him, it's too late. You have no other recourse. You will be the one who bears your own burden. You see, the boundary of problems tells us that we have control over our own problems. Matter of fact, um, your problems are enough. Amen. Amen. You don't need your kids. You don't need your brothers and sisters. You don't need your pastors. Your problems are enough. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to line up and lock arms and help people get through the tough times. But the Bible says a just man falls down and rises again. And it says seven times. The the number seven, anytime you see it in Scripture, doesn't mean seven. Matter of fact, uh, three sevens is the number of perfection. And so what happens is we're going to fall. I mean, I've fallen more times than seven, trust me. Maybe this week. But you know what? I keep getting back up. And I don't get back up because I deserve it. I get back up because there's grace that, man, I just, you know, if you've seen Josh Cross on Facebook, he gets out in his hot tub. (laughs) I plunge down into a hot tub of grace. I got to have it. I need it. Because without that grace, I couldn't wake up. I couldn't stand up here and preach to you. See, I know who I am. I know about those boundary lines that no one's ever seen. And yet the grace of God allows me to get up, pull my shoulders back, and preach the word. Another boundary that we have to be cognizant of is called the boundary of respect. The boundary of respect says this for our boundaries to be respected, we need to respect the boundaries of others. You know, and here's what's crazy. I'll preach a message like this, and some of you are going to go out of here emboldened, and like, you're going straight to the lumber yard and getting some wood for a privacy fence. 
and you're going to build this. And you're going to let everybody know. You're like, kids, you're cut off. Pastor said no more. And But here's the reality. You're going to build a gate so that you can get into their business and be on their property anytime you want. And the Bible tells us that that's not a good medicine. Matter of fact, the most quoted, the most famous Bible verse is what? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The most quoted verse in the Bible is Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Matter of fact, they don't even quote the whole thing. They just quote the first couple words, judge not. The most evil people in your life tell you, judge not. It says it in the Bible. And the reality is, the rest of the statement is that you won't be judged. Because with what measure you measure, it's going to come back to you. And so when it comes to this boundary, be careful how you build that fence. Be careful how because you may look like that fool that, I, that cut down the branches, cut down the bushes, and at the end of the day had to remove 100 feet of fence. And you know, I bet if he handled that differently, they would have let that fence stay right where it was at. You think? But be careful. When you're at the lumber yard today, and you're thinking about that fence you're going to build, and you're going to cut people off. That goes both ways. For with what you measure out, it's going to be measured back. The size of two by four you hit them with, they're going to hit you back. And unless your name is Jesus Christ, you're probably going to fall. And when you fall, they're not going to do Galatians 6.1 and restore you in the spirit of meekness. They're going to do Hezekiah 2.2 and beat them till they submit. Now, don't find that. That is not in the Bible. Some of you are writing that down. Hezekiah 2.2. 2. Come on, that preach. Another boundary is the boundary of motivation. And here's the reality, that we must be free to say yes before, or be free to say no before we say yes. Because here's what happens. Um, if you're not free to say no, if it's fear, if it's uh, threats, if it's anything that's making you say yes, you're not truly saying yes. Acts of love are worthless when they're under coercion. Acts of love mean nothing if you don't have the choice to love. You know, that's why when we look at our relationship with God, we don't understand. I wouldn't do it that way, God. But thankfully, he does. And because he does, we should. You see, the wise person chooses to serve others. The wise person chooses to restore such another that's fallen out of freedom, out of love. Why? Because that's what motivates them. They're motivated because of the forgiveness that they've received. 
They're motivated because of the grace that they receive. They're motivated because of the mercy that's been given to them in their life. And when that happens, the beauty of living a Christ-like life comes out. Romans 7, 19 says it this way, and this is Paul speaking. And he says, for I do not do the good that I want to do. But instead, I do the evil. You know, so when you, can you imagine Paul saying he gets stuck doing evil? This is a guy who wrote most of the New Testament. This is a guy who was probably the greatest theologian from Jesus till now. And yet, in the name of Christ, he murdered people. In the name of Christ, he destroyed families. And even later in life, he still struggled with doing evil. And so if during these three weeks, you've said, you know what? I've been wise here and I've been foolish here, but bless God, I haven't touched the evil. You may want to look in the mirror a little closer because you may be missing something. Another boundary that we should remember is the boundary of evaluation. And the boundary of evaluation tells us this, that we must evaluate the effects that our boundaries have on other people. You see, our boundaries aren't designed to hurt and maim, folks. Our boundaries are designed to protect us. And and that's a fine line. And that's something that most of us as Christians, we struggle with. We have a hard time doing. You know, when it comes to the difference between hurt and harm, you know, yeah, when you correct somebody in love, it probably is painful. It probably hurts a little bit. But you know, there's also that time where you try to harm somebody, thinking you did it in love, but when you do that, it's something where you're destroying, and it goes much deeper than a a surface pain. It goes much deeper than just something um, that can be fixed or remedied. You got to be careful. You got to look at your boundaries and understand, are my boundaries helping? Are my boundaries building up that relationship? Or am I putting boundaries in there in the spirit of the flesh? And ultimately, am I hurting? Am I hurting relationships? Am I hurting the people in my life? So the wise person evaluates that. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says it this way. <clears throat> Rather speaking the truth in love. And let me read a couple of verses there to you. I'm going to read verses 11 through 15. And, and it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And let me just tell you this, folks. This is what I've been giving you the last two weeks. I've been giving you a message from God's word so that you will stop being tossed to and fro. Stop being buffeted by relationships that you don't need to be in. Stop being destroyed by other people's actions when you had complete control of your own. And then he finishes in verse 15, but rather speaking the truth in love. Remember, this is where we struggle because if we we focus only on the truth, 
will destroy, will hurt, will cause harm. But when we can take the truth and we can surgically do it in love, we can get the cancer out. We can remove that which is holding us back. And listen to this. We are to grow up in every way. When you speak the truth in love, you will help that other person grow up. When the wise person speaks the truth in love, they help the foolish person to grow up. It, it might hurt, but it's not going to kill them. Matter of fact, I re recall in a gym signs that said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I'm here to tell you, when you speak the truth in love, Yes, they're, they're going to sound like they're dying. I, I was a slow learner growing up. And many of you kids probably don't understand this concept, but my dad spanked me. The Bible says beat. And, and I was a tough kid. And so I did everything I could not to cry. But I was a slow learner. And after about six or seven of these lickings, my sister pulled me aside. She was the wise one. And she said, dad is going to spank you until you cry. I said, really? <laughs> she said, yes. And so the next time when he, I hadn't even touched my ankles yet. He hadn't hit me with the, the rod of correction yet. And the tears were flowing and screaming. And he didn't stop spanking. So when I recovered from that, I went to my sister and said, Amy, that didn't work. She says, Ronnie, you got to let him hit you once. Because now he's going to spank you until you stop crying. How many people feel like that spiritually? Where you, like you try to figure it out. You're like, okay, what, what, what's the secret to this? I'll do it. You know, you try to trick God. And it don't work. Because when you think you, you're going to hold out, you're not going to give in, and you're not going to cry, and God just goes. And then you think, okay, well, I'm going to cry. And then God just keeps on And you forget James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, don't ask your older sister. <laughs> ask God. We got to be careful that we don't get stuck on the truth. And that we, we cover the truth in love. Because that's what's going to make them stronger. That's what's going to make them respond better. Another boundary that the wise person institutes is the boundary of proactivity and the boundary of proactivity says that that we must express what we stand for and not just what we stand against because the reality is this when we set up our property line and we define who we are we're saying that i'm not that over there but when you don't have a boundary line you can sneak over there and and you don't know if it's your property or not and the people around you don't know if it's your property or not The truth of the matter is the wise person acts to solve their problems based on their values. 
And your values should be connected to this book right here, this collection of 66 different books. See, the wise person is proactive to stand up for what they believe in, not just for all those things that they're against. We get a bad rap in the church because we know what we're against. And yet we forget about Galatians 6.1 and restoring those that are fallen in gentleness. You know, Titus 1.6 says the words this way. They profess to know God. He's talking to, about people who claim the name of Christ. But they deny him, how? In their works, in their actions. And then he describes them. He says they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. The whole reason why we're here is for good works. And yet sometimes in the church, carrying our Bibles, when God looks at us, he sees detestable, unfit to claim the name of Christ. We gotta be careful. We need to be proactive on what we're for. You know what we're for here? We're for Jesus Christ. We're for reaching our community. We're for bringing people in the church that normally don't come to church. We're for doing whatever it takes short of sin to get people saved. When people talk about Crossroads Church, I, I hope they talk about what we're for and not what we're against. There's another boundary, and this is a boundary that many people struggle with. And it's a boundary of envy. You know, we're never going to get what we want if we're looking at what everybody else has. When we focus outside of our own boundaries, we don't receive and we don't take care of our own garden. We don't take care of our own yard. We don't take care of our own trees. And instead, we're looking out there. John Eldridge says that envy is the leaven that, that causes everyone else's possessions to build and grow while ours languish on the vine. Envy puts us into a state of discontent. Envy steals our peace. And envy is probably one of the most common sins in the church. I had to recognize earlier this week, last week about this time, that I was struggling with envy. I hadn't built a boundary. And I was letting something that wasn't real destroy me inside. I was letting something that hadn't happened take my joy, take my peace. You know, it's hard to lead others in that when you are missing that. And envy is one of those things that you don't realize it's there until it's too late. Envy is that sin that looks pleasant to you and it looks detestable to everybody else. James 3, 16 says the words this way. Now where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Here's what we know, is if you allow envy to not be corrected, it will lead to bitterness. And bitterness in turn will lead to strife or friction. And friction is going to lead to division, and division will lead to destruction. That will happen in this church. That will happen in your family. That will happen in your job. When you allow envy 
You know, and envy looks like this. When somebody gets a promotion, you, you clap. And then when you go into the break room, you tell everybody why they're not going to be successful in that. Envy looks like this. You celebrate when somebody else's team wins. And then when you pray that night, you ask God, please don't let Alabama win again. Envy seems like good to you and me. But it is a rottenness that eats away at our bones is what the scripture says. Another boundary that we need to make sure that we take care of is the boundary of breakthroughs. You see, um, we need to be able to take the initiative to solve our own problems. God has given you the power. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of a sound mind. And you need to use that. You need to use the wisdom. See, the fool waits for somebody else to solve their problems. The fool waits for somebody else to take the first step. Have you ever been in one of those relationships where you know something's hurt, where you know something's broken, and you want restoration, but I'm waiting until they apologize to me. I'm waiting until they own their part of it. I'm waiting until they, and you'll wait until hell freezes over. It ain't happening, folks. I've read the book. Hell does not freeze over. And here's what I want to tell you. I know that many of you are facing challenges. I know that many of you are facing very difficult relationships right now. And I know that a three-week sermon series isn't going to get it done for you. But here's what I know that don't, you shouldn't shrink back from the challenge because what you need, what you want in that relationship is on the other side, but you got to go through the struggle. You got to take the test before you get the testimony. You got to hit rock bottom before you can appreciate the mountaintop. You got to be willing. You see, it's that resistance that builds us, that makes us stronger. It's that resistance. I mean, we built some muscles yesterday, didn't we, men? Come on. My, my biceps keep cramping. Now, I used to think they were big. And now, I just don't want them to hurt. But you know what? I'm stronger because of what happened yesterday. I'm stronger because of Friday night. I'm stronger because a bunch of us idiots get together at 4 o'clock in the gym and allow this evil person to write up the exercises. And then we do it. But you know what? When we're finished, it's all worth it. Beautiful. I mean, many times, matter of fact, I was delusional after one of the workouts. I don't know if you noticed, but if you walk into the gym, if you look up at the lights, they're brand new LED lights. And, and last week after the workout, I was laying on the ground trying to breathe. Apparently, the oxygen is easier down on the ground. And I'm looking up, and I'm looking up at the old lights. And Roger and I had counted them, and, and we thought there was one bulb in each one. And as I'm looking in my oxygen-depleted state, I saw four bulbs in each one. And I started laughing, and I texted Roger. I said, you're not going to believe this. There's four bulbs in every one of those. He comes the next day. He goes, no, there's just one. 
And in my recovered state the next day, I looked and I said, you know what? You're right. There is just one. (laughs) You know, sometimes when what you're going through, the enemy looks like he's fourfold. He looks like he's bigger than you can handle. He looks like you're not going to make it to the other side. But folks, you will if you hang on to Jesus. Folks, I don't know why God allows cancer into your life. I don't know why he allows people that you love to die from COVID. I don't know why he allows people you love to betray your trust. I I, I don't know. I don't understand. But here's what I can tell you. That God still loves you. God cares for you. And God wants you to grow. Ephesians 6, 12 says it this way. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And here's the problem. Most of us in here are fighting flesh and blood. Literally. That cousin, that nephew, that aunt, that uncle, that brother, that sister, that mom, that dad. And you're fighting against them. And that's not your enemy. The enemy's envy. The enemy's pride. The enemy's a lot more things. The enemy is the prince of the power of the air. That's who you're really fighting against. And you'll never beat him with your fists. You'll never beat him with your voice. You'll beat him when you're on your knees. You'll beat him. I love wrestling. Romy, you love wrestling? Yeah. And my favorite wrestling was tag team wrestling. I love seeing Ricky the Steamboat Dragon and, I, and, and Chief Wahoo McDaniels in one corner. And, and when Chief Wahoo McDaniels was getting thrown all around the ring and kicked, and the other guys were holding him and punching him in. And then Ricky, was, he was touching, hanging on, and he was just reaching out. Come on, Chief, just tag me. And somehow, the Chief, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat comes out and he does some kinds of moves. And he knocks them both out of the ring. You know, that got a 13-year-old kid excited. You know what gets a 50-year-old man excited? Is that in that same ring on the other side is Jesus Christ. He's reaching out. It seems like the whole world is against you. It seems like that everybody, the people you trusted, the people you cared about, and yet Jesus, just tag my hand, Ronnie. I got this. Instead, we say, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to make it. If you'll just tag Jesus, he'll come in and he'll do things. He'll save you. He'll rescue you. He'll recover you. He'll restore what the enemy has destroyed. But you've got you to call him into your life. The last boundary is the boundary of exposure. And basically it says this, that you've got to make sure that you communicate your boundaries. Not in an evil way, 
Not in a foolish way, in a wise way. People are going to ask you to do things that you know you shouldn't and couldn't do. And you got to communicate that. <laughs> Job says it this way in 24 and verse 2. Some move the landmarks and they seize the flocks and pasture them. If you're not careful, people are going to take your landmarks and they're going to move them and they're going to plant trees. They're going to build a shed. They might even build a house on your property and you'll pay the property taxes. You'll pay the upkeep. You'll pay the insurance. You better let them know where your boundaries are because if you don't, they're going to live rent-free on yours. So let me just close this way in with this series, People Problems. There's four healthy choices. There's four healthy habits that we should have. All right? And, and number one is this, the, the word pardon. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says this, love keeps no record of wrongs. And it's going to be easy, especially after this series that I can preach to you and you're going to hear it and you're going to start, you know what? Mm-hmm. Pastor Ronnie said that's a, you're violating this law. You're acting just like your father. Mm-hmm. And we know what kind of man he was. But the wise person just keeps no record of wrongs. Why? Because they respond in love. The second thing is privacy. Proverbs 17.9 says it this way. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You know, folks, there's a difference between privacy and secrecy. The evil person wants secrecy. The evil person hurts you and says, if you tell anybody, that's evil. The wise person seeks privacy. They recognize that not everybody needs to know. Not everybody needs to be locking arms. The third thing is, when it comes to your relationships, you better bring perseverance to it. Proverbs 17, 17, 17 says it this way, A friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Every man who's been deployed knows what I'm talking about here. You go on that deployment and you hate half the guys. You come back and you lay your life down for every one of them. It's no different in the church. It's no different in life. If you don't have brothers in your life and sisters that will come alongside you and they will block the enemy and they'll stand up with you. You know, it's a whole lot easier to stand up when there's their people to your right and your left. It's a whole lot easier to fight the enemy when you know you can tag out sometime. It's a whole lot easier when you've got friends and you've got brothers and sisters that will be there with you in the trench. And the last thing and the most important thing, and at this point, would everyone just go ahead and stand and worship team come forward? The last healthy habit that you need to involve in all your relationships is prayer. Maybe 
during these three weeks, you've recognized that there's some foolish people in your life. You've even seen some evil people. And you've even recognized where you're not always wise. And the answer to your problem is the first step is to pray. To take it to the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us in James chapter 5, it says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray one for another. Why? So you'll be healed. Remember I told you um, that, that I recognized the sin of envy in my life. And so I went to two different people and I confessed that. And I'm stronger because of that. I can't believe that there's people in here that haven't recognized that there's a, a relationship in crisis that you're involved in. Maybe there's somebody that you care about and you know they're dying and on the way to hell. And you'll do anything to see them get to heaven. Maybe there's another relationship that you, you haven't seen the envy, you haven't seen the pride, but there's some reason, but you can't engage them in a wise fashion. Here's what I tell you. The answer is prayer. So they're about to start singing. And while they're singing, I would encourage you to join me at the altar. If you can't get down on your knees here, come and sit down on one of the front rows and take it to God. You, you could stay where you're at and pray right where you're at. And that prayer is going to go to heaven. But I got a feeling that if we won't move out of our seats, I don't know how real it is to us. So I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm going to be up here. And if you've got a relationship that you want God to restore, join me and pray so that you may be healed. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 